Hello, and welcome to the Balanced Wealth Podcast. My name is Gavin DeStasi, and on today's episode, we're going to talk a bit about clients in conflict. I was recently asked by a colleague and friend who's a mental health professional, and in the collaborative divorce group I'm a part of, to co-present a seminar with him for the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. The topic was managing client conflict, and he felt that as an advisor and someone who works in divorce planning, I could provide some useful insight into the topic, specifically as it relates to financial advisors. The presentation we ultimately delivered was extremely well received, and it got me thinking that the concepts we covered might make sense as a podcast episode or blog post, if not a full-blown recurring seminar for advisors. I think the reason it resonated so much with the audience is that we advisors are so often thrust into situations that we really aren't trained for from a psychological perspective. And so just hearing from another advisor that not only should we expect that to happen, a bit of a dramatic shift in most advisors' way of thinking. For most advisors, the thought process is more like, well, I see conflict walk into my office fairly regularly, but isn't my job really just to try to diffuse that as best I can and get the clients back on track so we can get the work of planning done for them? And to that, I would say sometimes. And I say that because there are many forms of conflict around money that pop up in our daily client meetings. Sometimes it looks like real conflict, but it might just be harmless because maybe they're both financially savvy and have a pretty similar sense of where they're going and how they'll get there. There's a relatively equal power acting, as I would her about a new pair of shoes showing up on our doorstep from Amazon every other day. But the real question is, as an advisor, are we able to distinguish between that and a true power imbalance in the relationship around money and finances that is potentially being used as leverage or creating real feelings of inadequacy or resentment by one spouse or the other? And if not, would it not be helpful in being a more effective financial advisor if we could? It's funny because ever since Jared obtained his master's degree in financial planning, he's been saying that instead of a master's in financial planning, he should have gotten it in psychology. I've never really known for sure if he believes that or just thinks it's an amusing thing to say, but I do think it reflects how often we as advisors believe we're going into a planning meeting, but quickly realize we're in something more akin to a hostage negotiation. I'm exaggerating a bit, I know, and I've had some advisors claim that they rarely see conflict in their client meetings. Maybe they're just lucky, but more likely they're ignoring it. Because the truth is that according to numerous studies, money is the number one thing that couples fight about. And financial issues are cited as the number two reason married couples get divorced after infidelity. So the idea that we as advisors can expect couples to just leave those issues at the door so that we can get our work done is pretty far-fetched to say the least. Now, every good financial planner I know spends an extraordinary amount of time pondering over and trying to help their clients plan for any contingency they can think of that might derail their plans. What happens if they need long-term care or suffer a long-term disability and can't work? Well, we can look at long-term care insurance or disability insurance to mitigate against that. What's the potential effect of two deep recessions in the first 10 years of retirement? We can run Monte Carlo simulations for that and maybe put aside extra cash at retirement to mitigate against that sequence of return risk. What if Social Security goes bye-bye? What if their son drops out of college and wants to live in the basement for the next 15 years? You get the idea, right? This is what we do. We're constantly trying to think of the next thing that might throw a wrench into the works. What if, what if, what if? Well, what if one of the biggest potential financial disasters that could ever hit Mr. and Mrs. Client is staring us right in the face and we don't even address it? Because it doesn't fall under the purview of a traditional financial issue Most of us aren't trained to deal with it, and maybe most importantly, because most of us just don't really want to talk about it. 
Which is strange because we as advisors will sit and talk with our clients about all manner of unpleasant things that might happen to them. Dementia, disability, death of one spouse or the other, and on and on. But when it comes to the other D word, we tend to act as if that's something they should deal with themselves or with another kind of professional perhaps, therapist, estate planning attorney maybe, but certainly not in our planning meeting. I read an article recently, I think it was in FA Magazine, about the devastating effects of divorce on people over 50. They're calling it gray divorce, and it's not just devastating financially. Studies cited in that article point to higher blood pressure, weight gain, and depression among those going through divorce. And of course, there's the financial effect of having to split up the financial assets. What I can tell you from my divorce planning work is that the financial effects are usually far worse than simply splitting one household into two. I don't know, it's a bit like reverse compounding, I guess, where you're trying to divide one by two, but instead of a half and a half, it's more like you actually need three quarters and three quarters, and the money's just not there anymore. The math just doesn't work. And so you have to tell folks that they can no longer live in the manner they've become accustomed to, and most of the time, they can't really wrap their heads around it. I mean, even poor Jeff Bezos has to figure out how to make do on $120 billion or so these days, right? And the studies show that it's particularly devastating for women. Poor Mrs. Bezos is having to live on like $80 billion. Now, I know I shouldn't make light of their divorce, but since I went down the rabbit hole there a little bit on the depressing side of the divorce arena, I thought I should try to reel it back in a bit. And so if we get back to the point of when we as advisors are in those meetings and start to feel the tension building a bit, what I'm suggesting is that it might not be in our client's best interest to try to diffuse that tension. Maybe, however uncomfortable it might be for us, it could be incredibly beneficial to lean into that conflict a little bit, try to draw it out into the open a bit more. And that's really counterintuitive for most of us. The instinct is, can we just get through this and get the budget done so I can finish the plan, right? But it's amazing what can happen when the lines of communication open up. And it can be as simple as just changing the direction of who's speaking to whom. Trying to get clients to open up to us about certain issues sometimes changes the direction from them speaking to each other makes us the sounding board, the ones absorbing some of that tension, and that can be really powerful. I've had instances where one spouse will say something to me, probably something they've said to their spouse a hundred times before, and I'll then basically repeat it verbatim to the other spouse, and just because it came from me, not their spouse, they're able to hear it in a completely different way. Couples have all kinds of ways of pushing each other's buttons that just don't have the same effect when the words come from someone else. The problem, of course, comes back to the fact that most advisors just aren't trained in this kind of psychology, right? Should we all go out and do 12 hours of mediation training so we have a better chance of executing this type of client meeting? Well, that probably wouldn't hurt, but I don't think you really need to be a trained psychologist to have a positive effect on clients who are in conflict. It can be as simple as changing your mindset to expect and allow for the conflict to exist in your client relationships. Here's an example of what I mean. We often see a couple come in where one side holds all of the cards when it comes to financial literacy and the state of the family's current and future financial status. Maybe it's born out of the splitting of traditional roles, right? One spouse works and handles the finances and the other takes care of the domestic duties. It has nothing to do with one or the other being smarter or more capable. It's just a matter of having borne different responsibilities through the years in order to get the family through. But what it can do as time goes on is create a chasm between the two in the understanding of what's going on financially. And that in and of itself can breed feelings of inadequacy and of being ineffectual, and then ultimately to resentment on both sides. And so if we can recognize that and give a voice to the more financially passive spouse, as well as help the power holder by helping them articulate their struggle in a different way, 
we can often, if not actually help them communicate better to each other, at least be able to see the other side a little bit more clearly. For instance, sometimes, particularly in my divorce planning work with couples, I'll be talking to one spouse about some financial topic, and I can just tell the other spouse isn't really clear on what we're talking about, but is apprehensive about jumping in and asking, and the tension is starting to build. So I'll switch to that spouse and ask, did you get all that? Maybe they say no, maybe they just give me a blank stare, and at that point, I'll just go into an explanation, as simply as I can until I'm satisfied they get it. And it's amazing what happens. You can just see some of the tension go away from both spouses. It's remarkable how much angst can be caused just by feeling ignorant on some topic that's being discussed around you. We've all felt that way at some point in life. So if I can explain something, particularly in a way that makes it sound perfectly normal for them not to have understood, it can often have an incredibly soothing effect. And the other spouse is nodding in agreement because she's so happy she didn't have to try to explain it again, only to be greeted by animosity when it didn't sink in again. And the result is I've got two much more relaxed and engaged people sitting in front of me, ready to get to the work they're ultimately there for. Now, I realize some of this might sound a bit obvious, right? If one spouse doesn't get something, explain it to them and so on. I think most of us would hope we would do that, and maybe we are. But I would venture that for many advisors, it's easier said than done because the signs are not always obvious. It can be nuanced, and I think it takes both a bit of practice and being attuned to the signs when they do pop up, however subtle they might be. And I know there are plenty of advisors who just don't want anything to do with this kind of thing. They view it as none of their business and irrelevant to the work. But to me, that's just short-sighted. If we are really striving to be the best we can be and serve our clients' financial needs in a truly holistic way, not ignoring our clients' conflict around money issues, but rather viewing it as useful, even important information for them, gives us a much better chance of helping them define and ultimately achieve their financial goals in the long run.